0: You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie self-improvement addict and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. Right now, I hope you are sipping on some fizzy housewives-inspired wine for yourself, packing a punch at 13% alcohol but less than a gram of sugar. It is my No Filter Wine. I like to call it my housewives watching wine because it's the wine that I watch when I'm watching housewives. And you can best damn believe it's what I'm going to be drinking when I'm watching Ultimate Girls Trip on Peacock this week. That's right. Season 2, Ex-Wives at the Manor. It is coming. I'm excited. So you're going to want to make sure you stock up at NoFilterWine.com. Must be 21 or older to order. And you must drink responsibly, please, because we want to we wanna be Liddy City, but we still want to be responsible. And listen, we have four fun cans designed by some of the most iconic Housewives moments from Salt Lake City, Beverly Hills, Atlanta, and New Jersey. You can stock up on our crisp, light, fizzy rosé or our crisp, light, fizzy white wine. Both are delicious. And if you want you don't have to wait to place a new order because we just launched our new subscriptions. So if you want to subscribe to no filter wine, you can go order your variety pack and right in that little checkout, you can select how often you want to receive your subscription and Elix will automatically send it to you. That way you don't have to worry about having to reorder. You'll just always be fully stocked all summer long. It is a Liddy City summer and we are ready to get stocked on some no filter wine. So head over to nofilterwine.com and let's get Liddy City this summer. Oh. Okay. All right, guys, we have a lot of tea to break down today because a lot of stuff was like going on over the weekend. And oh, my God, there were some fights and there was some things and all of the things. Um, but also this week, Wednesday, actually, I have on Chloe Veach. She's going to be on the podcast. You may know her from Netflix's Too Hot to Handle or Netflix's The Circle. She's got a new podcast out called Bangin' with Chloe Veach, which is available now. And she's going to be on the podcast this week. We're talking all about dating and sex and relationships and the guys that she's dated from other reality shows. And listen, we have a very fun and very Lady City conversation this Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. Um, Okay, get ready. We have a lot of tea to break down. But okay, so on Instagram, when I would go live on Instagram, I don't remember if it was after party or if it was one of the lives. Everyone kept talking about this restaurant called Marlou, which uh, for people that watch Below Deck, Below Deck Sailing Yacht, Chef Marcos Spaziani He has a restaurant, or I think a few restaurants. I think he has a food truck. ML. And then he has Burroughs. And then he has a new restaurant that is called Marlu And so Marlu just opened up here in downtown. I think actually the other spots are also downtown except for the food truck. I think that moves around and does like a lot of like events and pop-ups and stuff. But anyway, everyone kept saying, you need to go to Marlu You need to go to Marlou. It just opened up in downtown. I live here in downtown. So it's like, okay, fine. We'll go to fucking Marlou. I'll give it a try. He's a hot chef. I've I know this is bad to admit, but I haven't watched Below Deck. I haven't watched any of them. Everyone keeps saying that I need to watch them because it's like one of the highest rated shows on Bravo. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's so good. You're going to love it. OMG, OMG. So it's like, okay, fine. I will watch. Actually, I will eventually watch Below Deck, but I will be going to Marlou. So I had a cute little birthday brunch there at Marlou. Really cute spot here in downtown. Cozy ambiance. And it actually, the experience was really great. So we went, um, so Chef Marcos actually came up to us to say hello he took our order he made some recommendations he said the burger was like good so the menu has like this little um a little symbol next to like I guess the chef's picks on the menu which I kind of assumed but I was like what does this actually mean he's like oh that means these are the good picks and I was like okay well what do you recommend for me I was like I really want the burger and he was like get the burger you're gonna love it that's one of our classics it was a classic in our food truck and like you're going to love it. People love the burger. So it's like, okay, so I had the burger and then I ordered one of their seasonal like watermelon cocktails that you can order with like gin or vodka or tequila. I got mine with vodka because I'm, I'm a vodka bitch and it was really good. Drink was good. Food was good. A bartender was incredible. Um, She knew it was my birthday. So she came and she brought us like a round of spicy mango shots that had like, uh, it was supposed to like replicate a spicy uh mango Mexican candy. So it had tequila in it and it had a little kick to it. It had a real good kick to it. I was like, okay, I was like, I need to come back for another one of these. Okay, um, but it was a great experience. I actually really enjoyed it. I think I definitely want to go back. I would suggest you guys give it a a try if you're here in LA. I'm always talking about the good little hotspots. You know, we've talked about Sir and Pump and Tom Tom. Soon, I hope I get to try Schwartz and Sandy's. I'm pretty sure it's going to be opening soon. So I hear it's opening towards like the end of the summer. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. We will. I will give that a review as well. I can't wait to like actually do cocktail tastings at uh, the uh, with the Toms at Schwartz and Sandys. I should actually plan that. I should be like, "Yo, guys, why don't we do like a YouTube vlog where I get to come into Schwartz and Sandys, test out some of the new cocktails, rate them, and you know see what we got? I think that would be fun, right?" Okay, and you are giving me ideas. I think I'm gonna start to do that. Like all these, so I went to Dr. Jen and I did the, the face with the Botox and the filler. We tried that out. Maybe I'll do a vlog where we go. Well, I mean, I've already been to Sir and Pump and TomTom Tom so many times at this point. But if there are like some LA, I mean, obviously, if we go anywhere else, we can do it too. But like that would be kind of fun to do like some, some vlogs with all the Bravo hotspots. I think that would be delicious. Next time I go to Marlou, I'm gonna I'll I'll do a vlog. I don't even know why I didn't think of it. I took a bunch of cute pictures and obviously I look great in all my pictures, but anyway, I think Marlo is on the list. I think that would be like a fun like little segment. Maybe we do it like an Instagram segment, like an Instagram reel slash vlog on the YouTube. Do you guys even give shit about vlogs? I vlogs with the V. I don't know. But okay, let's get into the tea because I'm pretty sure you're tired of me rambling. So Okay, Diana Jenkins got herself into some real hot water over the weekend. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, mamma mia, mamma mia, Diana. Okay, so over the weekend, Diana Jenkins, who's the newbie on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, she got into a bit of a spat on Instagram with Kristen Dayan, who runs a Bravo fan page called Philly Diva. That's her handle on Instagram, philly.diva. Well, Kristen, who I must say is a real gem such a blast, so supportive of me and Adam. Came to our Spilling Tea Live tour back in April, where we actually got to meet her for the first time in person, or where I got to meet her for the first time in person. I don't know if Adam's met her before. But anyway, she reposted a tweet from Three Wick O Chadwick on Twitter. She posted his tweet on her Instagram, and it was a side-by-side tweet. It was a tweet with two photos side by side. One of them was from Diana back in the day. And one of them was from one of her confessional looks currently on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And basically it was like, oh, wow, look at how much she's changed over the years. She's like a totally different person. They do it a lot with Doree. Usually when housewives have like plastic surgery or something, they do a lot with Khloe Kardashian where they're like, look at this photo of them from 15 years ago and look at them today. I I, listen, I get it. When you have plastic surgery, when you're on television, like things change when you're on TV, you like really go above. Like if you pulled pictures of me from 10 years ago, I am not the same bitch. I am not going to be looking the same at all. And I don't want to be looking the same way. I want to be looking good and I want to still be looking young, but I don't necessarily want to be looking exactly the same. Like I would hope I get hotter. I would hope I look better, but also I would hope that like. I change a little bit, like hopefully, like my brow. Like trust me, ten years ago, I did not have great brows. My brows are a lot better today. You know, I also think I was born to be blonde, so the platinum blonde. I think I'm loving it. I was not platinum blonde ten years ago. said before, I used to dye my hair black because I'm naturally platinum blonde. I was born, I was born with this bleach. <laughs> um, anyway, so it was a side by side photos of her showing like how different she looks today compared to before. So she then jumps into the comments and starts clapping back saying that these photos were many years apart and it was before she was on TV and before she even gave a shit about doing any sort of glam. She was like at UCLA. I think she was like trying to insinuate that she was doing like some sort of philanthropic work. Um, But anyway, she said that it was way before the years of glam that she has now, and she was about 30 pounds lighter back then. So, of course, she's, you know, naturally going to look different. I think all of us tend to look different. I think even five years ago. That's why, like, on dating profiles, when you see people with, like, five-year-old photos, you're just like, "Mm, is that really you now? I always make sure that my photos on, like, any profiles are usually, like, updated within, like, six months to at the latest a year. And I don't even think I change that much within a year. But we change. Whatever. It happens. Um, anyway, so she commented on it. And she's like, shame on you and your BS shopping. Unclear, though, what she, like— when she uses when she says bs shopping i don't know if she means bs like photoshopping and she's insinuating that the photos oh because she does insinuate that in the comment as well that like the photos look like they were slightly altered I don't think that they were altered. To be honest, I don't think Chadwick or three Wick was out here trying to, like, manipulate the photos to make her look drastically different. I think he was just showing that, like, she looks very different. But she's saying that the photos looked like they were being manipulated in some sort of way. So when she says, you know, shame on you and your BS shopping, I don't know if she's referring to, like, BS photo shopping or, like, actual, like, shopping shopping because Kristen's caption in the photo— or of the screenshot of the tweet, her caption said that the photos, um, the fo- like she made a joke, uh, like a snarky joke about how, you know, the first photo was when Diana used to shop in regular stores. And now, you know, she claims to not know what an outlet is, which, you know, funny, because on Real Housewives Beverly Hills, she's like, you know, I don't shop at outlets. I don't go to stores, whatever, whatever. So it's unclear whether she's, claiming that the photos were photoshopped and that's what she means when she says BS shopping or if she was like really just trying to throw a dig and she was like I don't mess with your BS shopping at TJ Maxx I don't know what she was trying to say even though we now know that Amber Heard was just caught shopping at TJ Maxx because apparently that's what you do when you go broke you're like I'm gonna go shop at TJ Maxx now and Amber Heard's like oh hi paparazzi don't get the bruise on my face this time just get me shopping at TJ Maxx but I bet TMZ wasn't getting that exclusive. TMZ and Amber Heard are, I'm assuming, done so after. Well, actually, they might actually be defending her because the guy they're trying to claim that he you know, went rogue and is going to harm TMZ's reputation by testifying in court against Amber Heard saying that she was leaking information to TMZ. What? Clench my pearls. Anyway, Diana continued by commenting, and she left an additional comment, and this is the comment that got her into some real hot water. She wrote, it can't feel good to be a black content creator. And this is where the internet went lit on fire because um, she is, Philly Diva is, Kristen is a black woman and she is a content creator. So people were like, what? She said, it can't feel good to be a black content creator. What's that supposed to mean? What does race have to do with this? Why is she being racist? And so everybody like was like coming for Diana and defending Kristen. I, when I read it, I was like, what the fuck like what is this supposed to mean how is she supposed like how is she supposed to feel as a black content creator like is this a dig are you trying to be shady like Again, and what is her having to be a black content? Like, what does this have to do with anything? And everyone jumped into Kristen's defense naturally because like that type of shit just does not fly. Like we don't just throw digs at people, you know, for being people of color. Like, no, we're we're past that point, sweetie. We're not there anymore. We're moving on, miss moving on. Let's not let's not stay in the past. Especially not, you know, as we're getting ready to celebrate Juneteenth. Like, let's not like okay. We're no, Diana. Hard no, pass, swipe left. So then the next day, she ends up commenting again, and I'm just like, does she know I'd do anything other than comment? But she comments again, saying that Crystal Minkoff, who is uh, also a newbie who came in last season to Real Houses of Beverly Hills, she says that Crystal called her, screaming, on the woke, woke her up, screaming, demanding to know what she meant by her comment about being a black content creator. And so Diana's now claiming in her comment that it was a language barrier and that she never meant it racially, that she was referring to the fact that the account posted snarky content. as, And so she was referring to the content when she said black, she was referring to like black humor, a.k.a. dark humor. Now, as someone that comes from a background in comedy, it is true, yes, people do use the terms black and blue In reference to humor and comedy as like black and blue humor or black and blue uh, comedy. And it refers to like dark comedy, mean comedy, snarky humor, more risque or explicit type of humor. It's not hunky dory humor. It's, you know, it's a little bit, it has more of like a bite to it. It's it's a little bit more of a mean, it has more of a mean or risque, um, edgy type of tone to the humor. And so those are commonly used terms, black comedy, blue comedy, and they usually, you know, refer to like more, like darker, meaner, risque types of content. I think blue comedy is more like risque and maybe like a little more sexual. Um, and then black is more like dark humor where like we joke about things that like we typically shouldn't joke about. I don't know. I don't know the specifics. I just know that they are commonly used terms. And so Diana is saying that since English isn't her first language, she fumbled on her words and she never meant to be racially motivated. She says that she's devastated. She's truly sorry. To me, it seemed like she was gen- Like, she genuinely, you know, was, like, sorry for it. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't mean it like that. I mean, I don't know. However, Diana, she blocked Philly Diva. Um, As far as I know, Philly Diva is still blocked. And there was seemingly, like, no personal apology other than, like, the comment that she left where she said Crystal screamed at her. And she's like, hold up. I didn't mean it that way. It was... It seemed like a sincere apology, but it was a half-assed apology. It wasn't a fully genuine... The tone seemed genuine, yes, but it didn't feel... Like, listen, I get there being a language barrier. I get it. You know, she's not from the U.S. You can tell, like, she has a heavy, thick accent. You can tell that English is not her first language from, you know, what we see of her on the show. She doesn't try to hide that. She doesn't try to shy away from the fact that, you know, she wasn't born here in the U.S., that, you know, she is an immigrant and she seems to be very proud and take pride in the fact that, you know, she is an immigrant here in the U.S. and she's proud of her culture um and she's proud of being cultured. So yes, I get it, sure. Like I understand the language barrier and I get that, but again, I don't think the apology was sufficient. Um it shouldn't have been a comment. It shouldn't have been a it should have it could have been its own post and she could have tagged Philly Diva um, because it was already like all over the internet. The blogs are picking it up. Like people were talking about it that I think at that point, like maybe put something on like your Instagram story or post something being like, look, Hey, I know this is catching heat right now. I just want to clarify and apologize to this woman, Kristen, you know, everyone's like Philly Diva, Philly Diva. But I'm like, this is a woman. This is a person. This is a human being. I know we like to get caught up in the Twitter, you know, uproar but like we have to remember like Kristen is a person and this comment hurt her and we have to remember that like this is a real human being and so the first thing that I did was I reached out to Chris as soon as I found out about it I reached out to her personally and I was like look I just want you to know I love you. You have a whole team, a whole community of people that are supporting you right now and that are uplifting you. And like, you know, don't let trolls, don't let stupid comments that people make on the internet, like don't let that affect you because, you know, you are a beautiful, powerful woman and a, you know, you're building this Instagram account. She's a new content creator. She just created the account. So I suggest that if you aren't following her yet, go and follow at philly.diva, at philly.diva philly.diva on Instagram. Um, but I think Diana, it shouldn't have been a comment. It should have been a public, like publicly addressing it and apologizing to her publicly. But I also think that that uh, Kristen deserved a direct personal apology. And I think I, I mentioned something about this on Twitter, and people were like, "No, it should have been public." I'm like, "Yes, she should have addressed it publicly." But I think Kristen deserved a private, personal, direct apology. Like if I fuck up, then I'm not just going to make a public apology and a public statement. I'm also going to want to make sure I reach out to that person and be like, hey, I really didn't mean that. I feel badly about that. I fumbled on my words. I was clumsy with my words, as she likes to say, you know? And so for me, I'm, I'm sorry. And I want you to know that I'm genuinely apologetic for what I said and how that may have hurt you or how you may have received that. I just want you to know that's not a reflection of who I am. Like, whatever. She could apologize in her own sincere words. I thought that, th- that Kristen deserved a private personal apology in addition to it being publicly addressed. Um, and at least unblock Kristen, unblock Philly Diva so that she can even see that you left a, a, an apology comment. Um, the comment was bad. I don't defend the co- Like, it was a bad choice of words. It was a bad selection of words. It was a bad comment. Like, you know, I also kind of just, I, I think it's dumb. Like, don't fight with people in the comments. You know, take it from somebody that has fought with people in the comments and on Twitter before. Like, think before you post. I mean, even if you gave that comment, it must not feel good to be a Black content creator. Like, just think about that for a second and be like, oh, yeah, that does not, those are not good words to put together in a sentence and post on the internet. Because even if you didn't mean it that way, any person with half a brain would be like, oh, yeah, that probably doesn't sound too good. You know, especially when you can tell that this is a Black woman that is behind this account. Like, Kristen had photos of herself, photos of us together at Spilling Tea Live. Um, So... I don't think it was a sufficient enough apology. I was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, okay, I'll give you the language barrier thing. I'll give you, you know, the, my English is bad. I fumbled on my words. I'll give you that. But like, then truly pay atonement, truly try to make it right. Truly try to remedy the situation. um, And don't just gloss it over as like an oopsie whoopsie, because this wasn't just an oopsie whoopsie, sweetie. Like we really, you know, we really needed to, to rectify the situation. But regardless, we love you, Kristen. Everyone follow Philly.Diva because we want to give her some love and support. We love you, Kristen. And if anything, just take advantage of all the new love and support that you have around you and all the love and support that's coming your way. Relish in it. Build a strong platform from it and continue to, to, to step into your power, my love, because I love you, I appreciate you, and I'm rooting for you. Right here on the sidelines. We got you, boo. We got you. Okay, moving on. Let's go to Real Housewives of Orange County. From Beverly Hills to the Orange County. So, Gina from OC, is being accused of domestic violence and being dragged for having a drinking problem. So Gina's new boyfriend, Travis Mullen, who we've seen on the show, he's currently in a bad custody battle claiming that his ex, Megan Mullen, is keeping his kids from him. She claims that she's keeping them because she believes that the kids aren't safe in the care of Gina and Travis and that their relationship is abusive. And in new court documents, she drags Gina for her her DUI that she got back in 2019. She also claims that the kids have witnessed Gina push Travis down the stairs after arguing about her drinking and that Gina wakes up in the morning and when she wakes up there's like a bottle of wine there and there's an empty wine glass and it looks like she's a wino and she passed out from drinking all night Gina and Travis are denying the allegations. They're denying that they have an abusive relationship. The ex was also charged with the misdemeanor after she uh, had a domestic dispute with Travis. Apparently, she's claiming he struck her. He's denying that. She has a hearing in July to get that settled, but it seems like... He wants there to be an actual emergency investigation to prove that there is no abuse going on in his household with Gina and that they are stable, steady, steady parents and they have a stable, steady, safe home and environment for the kids. It's interesting that the the ex, uh, what's her name, Megan? It's interesting that she's claiming that the kids are telling her about the things that are happening at the house, which makes me think, like, so are the kids really witnessing this? Are they trying to pit mom against dad? Are they going through? Because that happens, too. Like, kids will feel a pressure. Like, if there's a negative relationship or a like combative, uh, combative or competitive relationship between mom and dad now that mom and dad are separated then sometimes i think kids feel the need to pick sides so when they go to dad they tell dad how awful it is at mom's house and then when they go to mom's they tell mom how awful it is at dad's house and they're really just trying to appease the parent and get their love get their admiration get their attention whatever it is they just want you know i guess it's more of like trying to make the parent feel secure by saying, hey, your household, you know, not so many words, saying, hey, your household is more safe and secure, and I love you, and I love that you create a good home, and over there, it's crazy. And I've seen it happen. You know, I come from a broken household. My siblings, you know, have also had to go back and forth between parents as well. So I've seen this pattern Um and I can see when kids like to play both sides. Sometimes they use it to their advantage, and a lot of the times they're really just doing it to give their parents a sense of security, which is kind of fucked up. That you have to make your parents feel secure about their parenting. It's not the job of a child. Um, I think when you split up, it does put a lot of pressure on the kids, and sometimes patterns like this develop. So it's possible that that could be happening with the kids. I'm not saying that I know that for certain. I'm just saying based off of my own experience, this is within the. Rest realm of possibility, or I mean, or it could be true that they really do see these things. I mean, I remember one of my stepbrothers would go home and tell his mom that like, you know, that my mother and my stepfather would make him like sleep on the floor and that he wasn't allowed to like, you know, stay in a bed or anything that he had to sleep on the floor. And I was like, wait a minute, homie. Cause we were kids growing up. And I was like, wait a minute, homie. Like I remember you the other night saying, no, I want to sleep on the floor. And your dad being like, no, like why do you want to sleep on the floor? And you were just like, I'm comfortable and I want to sleep on the floor. Like, let me sleep on the floor. And so I was like, that's weird whatever and then he went home and told his mom that he was forced to sleep on the floor and he didn't have he, he didn't even have a bed and he just knew that his mom and his dad had a contentious relationship and so he was just kind of trying to appease his mom and you know either get her fired up to defend him because maybe that was his way of of feeling loved is by seeing her get fired up and fight the dad and like when He felt like the parents were fighting over him. It felt like they were, you know, proving their love to each other. Whereas I think sometimes kids, other kids do the opposite where they don't want their parents fighting. So sometimes they downplay certain things. I just think it's a weird, you know, fucked up dynamic if the parents can't get their shit together and it affects the kids when there's a split. Been there, done that, seen it, witnessed it. I could write a whole book about it. Thank you very much. But anyway, let's hope that there's not, I mean, from what we've seen of Gina and Travis, they don't seem to have an unhealthy relationship. Gina also doesn't appear to have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol either, except for, you know, the DUI incident. Um, I don't know. I don't think that there's a history or, you know, anything that we've seen that kind of proves that these things are necessarily accurate or true, but we're just going to have to see how it all plays out in court. Let's see what else. Denise Richards and Charlie Sheen are speaking out now and defending their... They're changing their tone a bit. They're defending their daughter's choice to join OnlyFans. So we know last week that their daughter, Sammy, joined OnlyFans, said she's going to be posting a few times a week, Want everyone to go and subscribe. And initially, neither of her parents were very supportive of it. Charlie, I think, was the most bothered by it. And he said that, you know, he hopes she keeps it classy and that, you know, she would never be allowed to do this under his roof. But, you know, he understands how... You know, things at Denise's place are different. Dig, dig, twist the knife. And he was just not very supportive of it. Well, over the weekend, Denise addressed much of the, the criticism that Sammy and both of both Charlie and Denise were getting uh, online. And she changed her tone and she was praising Sammy. She was praising her for her courage. She said despite all of the neg- the negativity online and. I actually think that, you know, my daughter is very brave and confident and that, you know, makes me happy to see a young woman that's confident in her body. Denise, inter- interestingly enough, referenced wild things and referenced posing for Playboy when she was a young girl and talked about how, you know, even to this day, she struggles with insecurity and she struggles with people's comments about her I found it interesting that she's all of a sudden now in support of like the adult film industry and supports her daughter's decision, joking that maybe she'll start an account on OnlyFans one day. Even though her last season on Beverly Hills, she was like clenching her pearls because the women were talking about threesomes at the dinner table. Um, And they were like, well, aren't you Miss Wild Things? Like, didn't you do some wild things back in your day? And she was just like... What does that have to do with anything? And now here she has been like, well, I went, I did wild things and I posed for Playboy. And, you know, it's just a very, um, I mean, I get it. People can grow and change. It just, there there seems to be just a tad bit of hypocrisy in it. So not sure how you guys feel about it. Listen, I'm glad that she's supporting her daughter. Because at the end of the day, like, what are you going to do? You're not, you're going to not support your daughter and what? kick her out because she wants to start an OnlyFans. Like if anything, I think at that point, all you can do is just hope that you raised her to be respectful of herself and of her body. Um, and trust that she is an adult now and will make her own decisions. And whether this is a decision that's going to hurt her down the line or not is just a lesson that she's going to have to learn. She's going to have to join OnlyFans and maybe she'll build an incredible career out of it. I think we're breaking down the stigma of people having an OnlyFans account. It's funny, my neighbor a few weeks ago was like, I thought you had an OnlyFans account. And I was like, "When? what? You thought I had an OnlyFans account? Like what? You thought I was selling my asshole for like $19.99 on the internet? Like... Okay, girl. Um, But I think if anything, all you can do is trust that she's going to make the best decisions that she knows how to make in the moment. She's not going to make every decision that's perfect or right. And I don't think any parent has a child that makes perfect decisions all the time. I don't think that's necessarily a reflection of your parenting. I think it's a reflection of life. We've all fucked up. We've all made decisions that our parents wouldn't love or support. And we've all made decisions that were great. And we've all made decisions that were terrible, that we had to learn from, that we had to grow from. You know, I think if anything, the important thing is that Sammy feels loved and supported. I mean, would I want my kids to be joining OnlyFans? No. But... Again, if they're confident and they have the courage to say fuck the haters and live their life. Listen, I'm pretty sure I do and have done and said things. And, you know, I'm pretty sure my podcast doesn't always make my family super proud of me uh, because of the things that I talk about and the things I reveal. And, you know, sometimes I get a little too unfiltered. But, you know, you just have to trust that you have raised a good, a good kid with a good head on her shoulders and that she's going to make the best decisions decisions that she can. And even when she doesn't, that she'll learn how to pivot and grow from them in the future. And that's all they can do. So I know at first I was even clenching my pearls Um I've been like, oh my God, how are they letting her do this? But if she's loved and supported, then I think that she will feel loved and supported and and be better about loving and supporting herself and not disrespecting herself in any way. I don't think that being an adult film star or working in the sex work industry is necessarily... Dehumanizing. I think it's how you do it, right? If you do it in a way that is still that honors your body and isn't disrespectful to your body, I think there's a way to do it. Am I going to do it? Probably not because that just doesn't feel organic to me. I'm better at talking on a microphone. Other people are better at deep throating dick. Like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? I don't like deep throating dick, so I'm not even going to do that for money. I don't like sucking dick, period. <laughs> Sure, I'm making my mama real proud right now. But anyway, so Charlie Sheen has now changed his tune, saying that his reaction was a little too haste and that Denise opened his eyes a bit more. Right now, Sammy needs the love and support of both of her parents, and he's willing to come out of this as a united front with him and Denise, and they're willing to support her. They may not love it necessarily, but they're supportive of her, and they love their daughter. Lisa Hockstein from *The Real Housewives of Miami has seemingly thrown a little shade at Lenny, her ex-husband, amid their recent divorce. So we know that she's in the middle of a very brutal split from her ex, Lenny, who was caught cheating and then announced that they were getting divorced. And she was like, whoa, hold up. Wait a minute. What? We are getting divorced? Like, what do you mean? I didn't realize we had made that decision. But apparently, I guess here we are. Come see about me. And Lenny's like, yep. Well, On Father's Day, Lisa posted on her Instagram um, a picture of her with her two kids, praising all the dads out there that put their families first. Snap, snap, pat the puss. She really dropped that mic on him, and she was like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, and what? So she is clearly not happy with Lenny. We know he's trying to get her out of their house that they live together in with the kids He says that he will put her up somewhere else. He just doesn't want her living there, probably because he wants to bring his new little girlfriend over. We'll see. We won't see what happens with them. I cannot wait to see it all play out on Real House as in Miami next season. What else has gone on? Um, Kyle Richards had surgery. She had a breast reduction. At first, she posted on Instagram like her back was killing her and she couldn't walk or she couldn't move because she was in so much pain. And then everyone's like, oh my God, she had a freak accident and she hurt her back. And I was kind of like, I don't think it's that. Like, I think... It's probably something a little more benign. It's probably something where, or maybe she threw out her back. Maybe she pinched a nerve. Maybe it was something that, you know, I didn't immediately think that she had, like, some debilitating car accident that left her crippled or paralyzed. But the internet went wild with it. And then finally Andy Cohen came forth and was saying that... um She had breast reduction surgery. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's what I figured. It was something, you know, not as serious as people were making it out to be. So Kyle Richards is doing fine. She's still in a lot of pain. She's still in recovery, but she's doing, she's going to get better, everybody. We can calm down. Kyle's not paralyzed. But one of the Real House's Orange County producers might be because he's now coming out. Kelly Dodd and Tamara Judge were both on, I think it was Jeff Lewis Live his radio show at Sirius XM. and they both confirmed that there was a producer that Heather and Terry Dubrow both assaulted during production on Real Housewives of Orange County, that they pushed him against a wall, and I guess they were upset with him for whatever reason, and they got physical And Kelly Dodd's like, yep. And I talked to the producer and he said that this is true and he wants his story out there. And Tamara's like, I know, I talked to him too. And I told him it probably wasn't a good thing to talk about it because it could really hurt his career and really hurt his relationship with Bravo. But Kelly's like, nope, we're going to mention it all and I'm going to mention it all on the radio. Tamara's like, yeah, I mean, it is true. I did hear this. He did tell me that this happened and that they didn't really want to talk about it. And he thinks that the reason he was fired was in relation to Heather Dubrow. So... He's now, I believe, with Netflix. He's with the streaming service now. He's no longer with Bravo. So they confirmed that Heather Dubrow is diabolical. And I'm pretty sure Noella is real happy about it. And she's like, yes, bring back Kelly and Tamara. Let's get it. I actually said that I thought it would be a great season to have Kelly, Noella, and Tamara all on together. Now I'm a little curious to see if they would all kind of be friends. Very, very interessante. Okay, what else, what else, what else? We talked about OC, talked about Kyle Richards, talked about Denise. We have Ultimate Girls Trip that's coming up. Vicky and Dorinda are going back and forth. still, you know, throwing shots at each other. Who knows what – I mean, I think the two of them are just doing this, and it's just popular right now because we know that they have a big fight and beef that comes out on Ultimate Girls Trip, which is premiering this Thursday, June, June 23rd, season two on Peacock. So Dorinda also was talking to Jeff Lewis and he kind of seemed to out her as filming for real housewives of New York, the legacy series. We still don't know what it's officially called. I think I saw like a meme or like a graphic on it on Twitter. And I thought that that was like a real graphic, but I don't think like it's a real peacock or like what's definitely not Bravo would have to be peacock, but I didn't think that was a real graphic. I think that was like fan art and it said like, The Legacy Wives, Real Housewives of New York Legacy Wives or something like that. Anyway, Dorinda was talking to Jeff Lewis, and I guess she let it slip that she was going to have to be filming at the Bluestone Manor soon. And so he, I guess, put two and two together and then outed her on the radio as being like, oh, so does this mean that you're filming the Legacy series? And she's like, well, I didn't say that. And he was like, well, I'm saying it because I think I cracked the code and I just caught you. She was like, what? No. He was like, yep, I think that's what it is. So it sounds like Dorinda might be filming for this legacy series and it's going to be picking up production soon. I am based off of the graphic that I saw on Twitter, though. I don't think it's real, but I do think that that's an interesting concept, similar to Ultimate Girls Trip, where there are multiple seasons, but it's different women every season. I'm curious if that's where they're going with this legacy series on Peacock is transitioning this could be what bravo is trying to do transitioning the current shows cycling them out with a new cast of women similar to like the reboot on new york to kind of get a refresh and then doing one season similar to ultimate girls trip where we bring back all the legacy housewives and i don't know if we bring them back together i don't know if we look back and reminisce like i would imagine we do like a, a short seven, eight episode arc where we kind of check in on them now, film some scenes with them together, catching up with one another. I think that's an interesting concept. Like, where are all of these legacy ladies today? I actually kind of don't hate that idea. Um, again, I'm not interested in a reboot of any of the Housewives franchises. I think Dubai just isn't hooking for people the way that I think we all expected and thought that we were going to. I know how So many people were like, I'm so excited about Dubai. I can't wait for Dubai. And Dubai is here and people are like, I don't give a fuck. Same thing with Salt Lake City. Like I was really disappointed in the second season. Like I thought there were good moments and it was juicy because we had good moments. But the season was too long. It was so disjointed. Um, It's still so new that we're not really developing the deep emotional connection to any of the women that we've had in the past. Atlanta, I think, is really boring this season as well. I tried to get into it and I haven't been able to, which is a bummer considering, you know, Marlo finally got her peach and we do have some sort of, sort of emotional attachment to her. But I just think the Housewives model is just growing a little stale and we're ready for new types of programming. Ultimate Girl Strip, I think, is great. These mashup series with Southern Charm and Summer House and um, wasn't there another one we threw into the mix? No. Winter House. So I think those types of shows I think are fun because they just kind of keep all the same players in an interesting new way. But I don't even think that has much longevity. Like, there's only so many different multiverse crossovers that we can try to do before it eventually grows stale for us. And we're just not interested in any of these people altogether anymore, either. So, but I do think it is interesting with the legacy series if we do this with each of the different franchises, right? Where if we do a legacy uh, Atlanta and a legacy Beverly Hills and so we kind of reboot reboot those shows in a way That brings in a new, fresh audience, but the already built-in audience that already has the deep emotional connection to some of the other women, some of the OGs, bringing them all back together, checking in with them now in a short story arc. So, like, season one is Real Housewives of New York, and then season two, we check in with another group of housewives from a different city. I think that could be an interesting concept. Again, Bethany was like, show me a concept, and then we can talk about it. Well, we know that they pitched her on something and she declined and has no interest in doing it. So we'll see. We shall see what happens with Ultimate Girls Trip Legacy and Ultimate or Real Housewives Legacy and Ultimate Girls Trip. Um, I know we ever nobody's really impressed with this season three cast. It could be interesting. It could be kind of fun, but like what is it? Like how do we season one and season two were already so drastically opposite and great in their own ways that I'm curious how we even keep ultimate girl strip going. And it kind of feels like we're rushing ultimate girl strip to the point where we're going to burn it out sooner rather than later. I think we didn't need to have them this close to each other. Like I think we could have done ultimate girl strip, like not every, not so close Um, only because it's like, It's not a show that we kind of want new seasons of all the time because eventually we're going to run out of the good housewives to even do it with. And then what we start bringing in low budget housewives and then what it's just not interesting anymore. And then we ruin it, even though it started so great because season one was good and season two looks like it's really fucking good. So we'll see. Looks like they're just trying to throw out lots of new different types of programming, but we shall. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. If you haven't done so yet, go and check out some of our recent interviews. I had Amanda Hirsch from Not Skinny But Not Fat. We talked all about Kardashians. I also had on Danny Pellegrino last week for my birthday episode. He was on. We talked about Ultimate Girls Trip. We talked about his book. We talked about his podcast. We talked about all things pop culture, all things iconic in pop culture. That was a fun episode. This week, we got Chloe Beach on. Next week, I've got a Bling Empire star on the podcast so get ready for that if you haven't done so yet binge season 2 of Bling Empire right now on Netflix and stay tuned because there's going to be a lot more tea to be spilled we have Bravo Book Club this Tuesday we will be wrapping up House of Hilton where's my copy of House of Hilton oh it's over there oh well so we have House of Hilton we'll be wrapping up the final chapters this Tuesday at 5.30pm Pacific and 830 Eastern We also go live on Instagram every Thursday night. The episode airs on the podcast every Friday morning. So if you can't tune in live, you can always catch it on the podcast every Friday. If you haven't done so yet and you're listening to this on Apple, please leave me a five-star review. Those reviews really do help the show grow and help us gain an audience. And I give you shout outs on Instagram. And if you haven't done so yet, order No Filter Wine. New wine subscriptions are now available. So head to nofilterwine.com. Love you. Mean it. Bye.